we've learned that as Christ followers, our lives revolve around our love relationship with Jesus Christ. And that love grows out of a wonderful word called abiding. Abiding. Jesus himself said that I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bring forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And so we found that abiding, what that means is we draw our strength, our purpose, our direction, our very life from that love relationship with Jesus Christ. And that love relationship grows as we abide in his word. Jesus said, those who abide in me are my disciples indeed, and they will know the truth. And the truth will set them free. And so the way we grow in that abiding is we abide in his word. And we do that on a daily basis as we get along with him in a quiet time with the Lord and just let him love us and us love him in return. And it flows out of the word. Well, let me tell you, last week... Really, it's a week and a half ago now. I was having a time with the Lord early in the morning, and uh, I was reading in the book of Colossians. Reading along in chapter 1, I got to verse 13, and Holy Spirit put on the brakes. And he said, no, you need to stay here just a little bit. We're going to read that in just a moment. But as I, as I dwelt on that 13th and 14th verse, I got happier and happier and happier in the Lord about what he had done for me and what he does for all who come to faith in him. Colossians chapter 1. Listen to verse 13 and verse 14. The word says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us, transported us, conferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come and, and do the same thing here today that you did in that quiet time with you and I last week. Father, it's so very, very important for us to pause every now and then in our growth to know so much about you, in our service to do so much out of love for you and for your kingdom, to just pause and be reminded where we come from, where you brought us from, and for that to just cause worship to erupt from our hearts. Let it be so, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. You know, we love rescue stories. We love those stories about how the hero or the heroine came in at the very last moment and snatched someone from the jaws of death. Uh, we love those. You know, in the early days of television, they would end these 30-minute segments with something called a cliffhanger. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with that. Some of you old enough know what I'm talking about. Some of you have heard about it. But the, the whole uh, series for that day would end with uh, Penelope tied to the railroad tracks or with the hero hanging over the edge of the cliff. And so, hence they were called cliffhangers. And so that would get you there the next week to see what happened as a result of that. We all love a good rescue story. We love that in real life. I mean, we woke up every morning with bated breath for a couple of weeks while that soccer team in Thailand was, was uh, captured underground by that flooded cave. And all of the money and the time and the people and the expertise that went in rescuing those boys, and they were eventually all brought out alive. We love a good rescue story. And this morning I want to share with you what is, I think, an ultimate rescue story. 
And it's the rescue that Jesus Christ pulled off in my life and in the lives of all of those who love him and believe in him. And that's what we see in front of us here today. Warren Wiersbe, that great Back to the Bible teacher, says there are four liberating actions that Christ did to save us hidden in these two verses. Now, I want us to look at those together. You and I need to never forget where we were outside of Jesus Christ. The Bible paints a very gruesome picture of this, and we need to be reminded of it from time to time. You see, you and I lived in what's called the domain of darkness. Under Satan's control. We had no thoughts whatsoever about God or goodness. We could actually care less. We were too busy living our lives for our own satisfaction and our own pleasure, accomplishing the goals that we set for our lives. We were living in darkness, but we didn't realize it because that was what was normal for us. That was, that was life as we knew it. And we had no interest in the Word of God, the commands of God, the power of God, the promises of God, the hope of God. We had none of that desire whatsoever because we had lived outside of that all of our lives. Some of us even grew up in church, uh, as Crosby shared with us in his testimony, that even though he heard the gospel from his father and faithful teachers day in and day out, it had never really penetrated his own worldly desire to do life his own way. The scripture tells us that sin is us saying, we're going to do what we want to do, and I don't care what God says about it or anybody else. This is my life, and I'm going to make my choices, and I'm going to do what I want to do. The Bible says that it's rebellion against God. It's sin. And it indicates something about us. Listen, it indicates who our spiritual father is. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus uh, blasting some of the Pharisees, you know, you are of your father, the devil. And in our darkness and living in his very domain, he, this was family for us. And we were not aware that we were living in the darkness. Just imagine, if you'd spent all your life in the bottom of a cave, and you'd never seen the light of day, would you miss light? You didn't know light even existed. Would you, would you miss the breeze in the air? You didn't know such a thing even existed. Because your life was totally dominated in that darkness. That's where you and I lived, in spiritual darkness. We were in the domain of Satan. We were of his actual family. And though we weren't really aware of it, because that was life as we knew it, that was the case for us. That was where we lived. That's who we were. And you and I need to be reminded of that. Not only did we live in the darkness, we lived under the sentence of eternal death and damnation. We had a sword over our head. Death was as surely going to be ours as anything in all of existence. It was a spiritual, eternal death. But then again, we weren't that much aware of that because we were living life as we knew it. We weren't even aware that we needed rescue. That's where we were. We were absolutely blinded, and, and, and the world, us, was just the natural way that it was. So I, I, go back there in your mind. Some of you, that's just a matter of days or weeks or months. Others, it's decades. But go back there for a moment. And remember where you were. 
before the gospel of Jesus Christ came into your life. That's what, what Paul is wanting the Colossians to do right here, to go back and to remember where he was and then celebrate what he did. Let's look there in verse 13. It says in verse 13, he has delivered us. He has delivered us. That word means to, to draw to oneself or to rescue to oneself. I remember one of the boys, I don't remember which one it was, but we were, we were downtown and they were cutting up and running around and all of a sudden one of them darted out towards the street. And I reached and the only thing I could get was the back of his collar. <laughs> but I grabbed the back of his collar to snatch him back and I drew him back to myself. See, that's what God does. He delivered us, he snatches us, he grabs us, and he pulls us unto himself. That's the word to deliver, to be caught and brought back to one's own self. The sword of God's judgment was hanging over us. Let, let me explain something to you. You and I were in the darkness, and you and I were hell-bent, not because Satan had power over us, Satan has no power, you need to understand that, other than the power that we let, allow him to have. The scripture tells us that that which binds us to the devil's hell is our sin and the law of God. You see, our sin is what has us locked up in hell. And, and that, it, it, we're, we're of the devil's family because that's just what's natural for us. We rebel because that's in our heart. You and I were prisoners in the domain of darkness. Yes, because we were born into that family, but it was also our choice. We chose to do life our own way. And so understand that Satan was not so much holding the keys that keep you locked in, as our sin is what had incarcerated us. You see, some people get the idea that what Jesus did when he died on the cross is he, he paid a ransom to Satan. That Satan had us throttled and held and that, that Jesus had to pay this big ransom to Satan for us to get free. That's not biblical, folks. That's not biblical. What did Jesus do when he died on the cross? He met the demands of God's law. That sin must be punished by death. That's God's law. That wasn't Satan's decree. That was God's law. And you and I were under the sentence of eternal death. Paul would go so far as to say as we were spiritually already dead in our trespasses and sins. So what did Jesus do? When he died on the cross, he, he didn't pay Satan a ransom to let us go. He met the demands of holy God that we could be freed. And this was the rescue. This is the rescue. The love of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ penetrated the darkness and snatched you by the collar out of that domain and into the kingdom of the son of his love. That's, that's deliverance. Deliverance. We came from the domain of Jesus in, and from the family of Satan. And look, it says he, he transferred us or he conveyed us or he, he transported us. It depends on your, your translation right there. And, and the word means a total removal. A total removal. Uh, it was like, remember when Babylon overran 
um, Israel, what did they do? They, they took all of, uh, of the, uh, the leadership, all of the government, all of the religious leaders and such, and they deported them. They transported them. What did they do? They took them to Babylon. Remember, Daniel was one of the young men that were taken away. Hey, that's, that's this word, to be transferred, to be transported, to be, uh, uh, to be brought away. And so this, the whole civilization of the leadership of Israel was deported that way. Here's what he's saying. His church, his people, he snatched and transported, delivered, took them away, took them out of that kingdom and into the kingdom of his great love. Now, in, in the Old Testament times, and even, uh, even in the Roman times, it was the defeated ones that were taken away. But here, it's the winners that were taken away. It was those that Jesus rescued was taken out of that domain of darkness into the kingdom of his light. I, I was not deported by the enemy of God out of Satan. I was transported by my rescuer, my deliverer, out of the domain of darkness and the power of Satan and my own sin, and then transported into the kingdom of God, the Son of His love. That's, whew, I can get happy about that and jumping all up and down inside. The kingdom is a spiritual domain. The kingdom will exist one day when Christ sets up His kingdom, the millennial kingdom on earth, yes. The kingdom of God is also anywhere Christ rules in an individual's heart. Anywhere he rules in a family is his kingdom. Anywhere he rules in a small group or a church, there's his kingdom. His kingdom is wherever he rules. Wherever there are subjects that are, are given their lives over to him. That's where the kingdom is. And the Bible says it's like this. This is the kingdom, literally, the kingdom of the son of his love. So what has he done? He's taken me out of hatred and anger and desire for revenge. And he's transported me into the kingdom of love and grace and forgiveness and light and freedom. The opposite of where I was, he's brought me to. And in the process of that transfer, all of those things that had me bound, my anger, my rage, my addictions, all of those shackles fall and are left behind in the prison walls because they have no place in the kingdom of the son of his love. There is no bondage here, only freedom. There is no hatred here, only love. There is no sense of retribution here, only God's great grace and mercy. He has transferred, he's transported us from the one world to the other, from the one family to the other. Now, how did he do this? How did he do this? Those are the next two great words. And you see them in verse 14. First of all, by redemption. Redemption. To redeem is a word that means to buy back a prisoner or buy back a slave by paying a ransom. It was often used to free slaves from, from bondage. And the act of redemption means that a price had to be paid. Like I said earlier, that price was not paid to Satan. Satan was not the one 
that held you. Your sin held you. And your sin had to be paid. You know, the sentence of eternal death, the sentence of damnation that you and I lived under before we came to faith in Christ was a death sentence. And it was a just sentence because the wages of sin is death. That's what the Scripture says. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's the key. You and I were under the death penalty. And for God's law to be kept, and God's law must be kept, it cannot be broken. Those sins had to be punished. Fred Lodge had to die. That was my sentence. Self-imposed by my sin, but held by the law of God. So how was I that I was under the domain of, of, of darkness and Satan? Well, that's where he lives. He is rebellion. He is lies. He is hatred. And so all of these things he continued to manipulate in my life and also in yours. So how could the ransom be paid? Not to Satan, but to meet the demands of the holy law. Jesus said this, Fred Lodge deserves death. Fred Lodge deserves death. If, what, if justice prevails, Fred Lodge must die. And there's no arguing that fact. Jesus totally agreed with that. Totally agreed with that because he is God. But what did he do? He said, out of my great love for Fred Lodge and the fact that this debt must be paid, I will take his death that he might have my life that's what the word redemption means he he met the requirements of God's holy word to where my sin was totally completely punished in Jesus Christ as he died on the cross that's what redemption means I could not be rescued out of the domain of Satan and brought into the kingdom of the son of his love unless my sins were redeemed. And so his death on the cross paid the ransom. And then what happened as a result of that, you see, redemption and forgiveness go together. Forgiveness is a wonderful word, means that, that a debt has been canceled and sent away. Canceled and thrown away. Now you and I, we need to keep paperwork nowadays for proof of things. But in the spiritual realm, the pink slip on your life, <laughs> when it was stamped, paid in full, then it was wadded up and thrown away. The Bible says it was buried in the depths of the sea that God would remember it no more. Forgiveness is my new life in Christ. That all of those sins that I deserve to be punished for were totally punished on the death of, uh, on the cross of Jesus Christ. 
and I have instead His forgiveness. Listen, I need you to understand something here. God will never forgive a sin. Sin must be atoned for. God forgives sinners based on the fact that the blood of Christ has paid the debt and thereby forgiven those sinners. You see, you need to keep that in mind. You and I don't slip under the table just a little bit. No. You and I don't get out of punishment. My sins had to be punished. And so do yours. You and I owed a debt. We couldn't pay. So he paid a debt he didn't know. He paid my debt and yours. And that's where the forgiveness comes in. Each and every one of us come to a crossroads in our lives. We come to a crossroads in our lives that we have to choose whether to receive the gift of God's eternal grace and mercy in Jesus Christ or refuse it and continue to live life our own way in the domain of Satan, in the realm of darkness. There's a crossroads. And each of us come there. And I want you to understand something. While there is a road that goes into the kingdom of heaven, there is no road that exits the kingdom of heaven. Once you've entered there, you're safe there for all time and eternity. I want you to ponder a minute. Will you just think a minute? Where you were before God rescued you, You get a good picture of that in your mind? Because you can't break into praise if you don't realize where you were and where you deserve to be until he came and rescued you. Then you can get happy like Crosby did with that song. And sometimes it's hard to understand words, but it starts out, are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all the stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. There ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is, I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus, who can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years and tell your past to disappear. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. There ain't no sinner that He can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong, His grace is free, and the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I remember the confusion and the doubt and the darkness. I remember the hatred and the rage. I remember. And I remember the day that I heard the gospel of Christ. And I said, God, I don't want to be here no more. 
I don't want to live with this weight anymore. I don't want to live with these feelings anymore. And by an act of grace and mercy, when I received the death of Christ as my very own, he snatched me out of the domain of darkness and transported me into the kingdom of the Son of his love, into the domain of light and into the family of Almighty God because he redeemed me and forgave me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. For all eternity he lived in heaven, seated at the right hand of God, worshipped and adored by angels, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient every way. And he laid all that aside to cram all of the divinity into a tiny, miraculously fertilized egg in the womb of a young virgin. Oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. He, he, he grew up with the same temptations as you or I. He grew up with the same opportunities to rebel against God that you and I, but he didn't. He grew up without any sin whatsoever. And the time came when he publicly declared himself. And the world hated to hear the righteousness of Almighty God. And so they took that righteousness and hung him on a cross. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Death couldn't hold him. Corruption couldn't touch him. And three days later, he rose from the grave. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because when he rose, he rose with the power to give those who would dare to believe in him a hope of a different life. He dared to give them his very life as his own. I will take your death. You can have my life. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He's never turned anyone down. Who would open their heart to him? And he's not going to start today. Come and receive my Jesus. Father God, it's time to do business with you. Lord, I just, I just get all discombobulated. My words can't come out of my mouth fast enough or clear enough to thank you for all you've done and to bless you, to praise you, to worship and adore you. Every now and then, God, take us back. Not for long, but just long enough to look. Just to gaze over the wall into the domain of darkness. And have you whispered to my heart, that's where I plucked you from, son. That's what you deserve. But out of my love for you, raining grace and mercy upon you, look into the eternity that's yours because of my love for you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Even today, there are many, many right here that want to just open their hearts to you and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me where I was and for what you saved me from and what you saved me to. But there's some here, either right here in the building or watching my media today, and they know in the depths of their heart 
That kind of transference, that kind of conveyance has not happened to them. They're still sitting in the anger, sitting in the hopelessness, sitting in the darkness. Father, will you let them know that today there's a hope. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And they can simply cry out to you and say, Oh God, I don't want to be this way anymore. I confess to you my rebellion. And with all that was within me, I, I dare to believe, Jesus, when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose again, it was so that I could have eternal life. So right now, come into my heart. Cleanse me and forgive me. Rescue me from the domain of darkness. And transfer me into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of the Son of your love. I want to be saved right now. I want to be redeemed yours right now. Lord, I know that you've never, received, never refused that kind of prayer, and you're not going to start today. Lord, if there's anyone here that that's the attitude of their heart, Lord, I pray they'll come find me or Caleb or go back by our, our connection center and talk to one of our deacons or counselors back there, that we can celebrate another birth into the kingdom. In the king's name we pray. Amen.